This is the Bell Witch from American Hauntings. The first time Rita Sanchez saw the ghost, it didn't frighten her at all. She was walking along the country road alone, enjoying the slight breeze that lifted her thick, dark hair. The day was hot, but not bad for early August in Tennessee. Rita was enjoying a brief vacation before the regular school year began. As she passed an overgrown field at the side of the road, she saw some kind of animal sitting among the weeds. She hesitated, curious but cautious. The creature looked fairly large, and she didn't want to tangle with anything like a young bear. She looked at it again, or maybe it was a wildcat, which would be just as bad. But now she could see that this creature was neither of those. A coyote, perhaps? Rita moved closer to the fence that separated the field from the road. But when she reached the fence, the animal was gone. Rita stood there, puzzled. She was sure that she had kept her eyes on the animal the whole time. She had wanted to be sure that it wasn't showing any signs of hostility. Instead, it had fled from her. But how? She hadn't seen it move at all. One moment it was there, and then it was gone. That night, when she tried to describe the creature to her aunt and uncle, they didn't seem very interested. Rita was visiting them for three weeks before returning home to Knoxville for the fall term. After spending a month of a summer in an honors program for science students, she'd thought she would appreciate this break in the country. At first, she had liked the long, quiet days with just a little work to do around the house. For two weeks, she had enjoyed the picnics and swimming parties with her lively cousins. But she was surprised at how quickly it all grew monotonous. This final week, she had started taking short walks alone to sit and read a book in a pasture or woods near the farmhouse. Then she had seen the strange animal. Although she had leafed through a few of the reference books in her uncle's house, she hadn't found a picture of anything like it. There was so little information, she wasn't ready to try an online search. It was brown, I think, she told her uncle. Brownish, anyhow, or greyish. She was aware of several of her cousins giggling. It was big, maybe as big as a small bear. There haven't been any of those around here lately, her uncle replied. 
probably just somebody's big dog. Farm dogs come in all shapes, sizes, and colors. Leave it alone if you see it again, Peter's aunt warned her. You never know. But Rita wanted to know. She wanted to observe the animal, make notes of it. She wanted to identify it and learn about its habits. That's why, when she saw it again the next day, she took a photo of it. Or at least she tried to. The Polaroid shot that slid out of the camera showed the field in detail, but no animal at all. Puzzled, Rita looked from the picture to the creature. The thing was still there, right in front of that clump of white flowers that was in the photo. She raised the camera to try again. Then Rita realized that the animal was staring directly back at her, staring very intensely. Its eyes looked weirdly human. She could only describe its expression as one of amazement. How is it that you can see me? The creature asked, speaking clearly and precisely. That was when Rita first began to be afraid. For a moment, she felt frozen. She stared at the creature, and it stared back at her. She could see now that it wasn't any natural animal. It was as though something had copied parts from various animals and put them together to make a new one. Its body did look a little bit like that of a dog, but its head was more like that of a rabbit. And the eyes, the eyes blazed with intelligence, curiosity, and something else, something both ancient and alien. Rita was struck by an overwhelming feeling that this creature knew far more than she did, about some things at least. It showed no sign of impatience as it waited for her reply. I can see you, Rita finally began. She was going to say, because you're right there in front of me. Then she remembered that the camera had seen nothing there. I don't know why, she finished lamely. Most humans can't, said the creature. Their attention span isn't long enough. Maybe they can catch a glimpse. They think they've seen an animal, and they forget about it. But I, she stammered. You seem to have greater powers of concentration than most humans. Most humans, Rita wondered. The creature she was talking to was clearly neither human nor animal. She could feel her body trembling slightly at the strangeness of it all. With an effort, she forced herself to think more clearly about the situation. The thing was here. Whatever it was, it existed. What are you? Rita asked. Where did you come from? I am a spirit from everywhere, it replied. I am from every place on the earth, from the air, from the hills, 
I am from heaven and from hell, and I have been here for millions of years. A spirit, Rita asked. She realized that her curiosity was becoming stronger than her fear. The people don't know anything about you, not even scientists. They don't believe that things like you exist. Why should any of you know about me? I don't usually pay much attention to humans. The creature turned its head and looked away from Rita. To her dismay, it began to fade from sight. Wait, Rita cried. Before she could stop to think, she found herself scrambling across the fence and across the field toward the fading image. Don't leave. I want to ask you. The spirit's head turned back toward her. Once again, the strange, intense eyes fixed on her. She could see the spirit clearly again. Rita stopped where she was and sat down on a smooth boulder. She tried to think of all the questions she should ask. You've been here since long before humans existed? Millions of years. When did you learn to speak our language? The spirit made a deep sound, rather like an evil laugh. Once, when I did get involved with a human family, it replied, I learned a lot, but I don't think they enjoyed it very much. You learned to speak English from them? Yes, it was impossible to communicate with them otherwise, but it wasn't really worth the trouble. I tormented them for a short time, but after a while, even that wasn't any fun. Tormented them? Why? Why not? When Rita didn't answer, the spirit asked, Would you like to hear the story? Oh, yes, Rita said. She wished she had a tape recorder with her, or at least a notebook but she felt sure that if she went back for those things, she'd never find the strange creature again. So she just sat still and listened to the spirit's story. You must understand that time means nothing to me. I am here, and I have always been here. The things around me do change. This earth is far different from the earth that I sprang from. But most of the time, I pay very little attention to any of that. One day, to put it in your terms, I did notice something new. Standing here where you are now was a man who could see me, just as you can. It was 1817, as you record time, and the man's name was John Bell. At that time, this was John Bell's cornfield. When Bell saw me, he raised his weapon and fired it. He tried to kill me, but of course he couldn't. He couldn't even hold me in his vision for very long. It seemed to him that I just faded away before his eyes. A few days later, John Bell saw me again. That time, he thought I was a large bird, and he tried again to shoot me. Although he couldn't, his persistence began to catch my interest, and to annoy me a bit. It was enough to make me want to pay more attention to this man's time and place. I took myself to John Bell's home. He had a large family, a wife, and eight children. The wife had a gentle and kind nature, and I never bothered her at all. But I began testing the others in various ways to see how they would react. 
At first, I just scratched at the doors and windows until they noticed me. They decided that some animal was lurking outside, but figured they were safe enough in the house. Next, I put myself right inside the house with them. I realized that none of them could see me, not even John Bell. I soon got the children's attention, though. Night after night, I tugged away their bed covers as they slept. I pinched their worried little faces, pulled their noses, and even slapped them a few times. The children yelled and carried on, but they didn't respond to me in any intelligent way. John Bell just stalked about with his gun, looking for some human tormentor he could shoot. It took the whole bunch quite a while to get smart enough to try to communicate with me, much longer than it took you, Rita. Finally, somebody had the sense to begin asking me questions. Of course, that was before I had started speaking their language, and I could understand their thoughts better than their words. At first, I answered by tapping on the wall. How many miles from this town to that? They would want to know. How old is so-and-so? Eventually, that got boring, but I wasn't yet ready to leave them alone. I started listening more carefully to how they communicated with one another. I realized that I would have to limit myself rather severely to use their system, but I decided it might be worth the effort. For a while, I tried whistling answers rather than tapping, but it wasn't until I started using their own words that they could understand me very well. I whispered replies at first, but by the beginning of 1818... I was carrying on a conversation in a human-sounding voice. Not that most of the Bell family much liked what I had to say, any more than they liked the tricks I kept playing on them. They yelled and complained as much as ever. Only Luce, John Bell's wife, treated me with any respect. One day she politely asked me if their oldest son, John, had returned from a journey. I checked in on the sun and found him at home with his wife, reading quietly, so I let Luce know that her son had returned safely. You see, I can be very useful to a human being who has the right attitude. The only interesting thing that came of my learning their language was that they started inviting other humans to come talk to me. I started listening to what these people were saying and thinking and I learned a lot more about human beliefs and expectations. For one thing, I soon realized that a spirit millions of years old was far beyond their ability to imagine. They all thought I must be something or somebody they knew, so I told them various lies. I told one that I was the disturbed spirit of a human being who had lived a happy life but had been killed by a friend. Once I said I was the spirit of a dead child, another time that I was the ghost of the inquirer's stepmother. None of that was true, and when the visitors called me by those names later, I just laughed at them. I had much more fun with another group when I convinced them there was buried treasure on the Bell property. I said I was the spirit of an immigrant who had buried a fortune for safekeeping and then died. They dug all day long, and some of them kept looking for years afterward. At different times I said my name was Black Dog, 
mathematics, or something else that I made up. For a while, I used different voices for each of my characters and kept up conversations with various visitors. I even gossiped with them, telling them stories about one another, some of which were actually true. I teased them and bullied them into doing whatever I wanted. They told me I had become well known in several surrounding states and that a famous man was coming to see me. He was General Andrew Jackson, who drove up from his farm near Nashville to meet me. I think he met with more than he had expected. General Jackson loaded up a wagon with friends, and they made a party of the whole journey. It makes me laugh even now to remember how I stopped that wagon in its tracks as soon as it came onto the Bell property. The mules tried their best to move it. They groaned and strained against the harness, but the wagon was stuck fast. Then I spoke to them. All right, General, I said. The wagon can go ahead now. And sure enough, the wagon was free again. They continued on to the bell house, and I would put on a good show for them that night. I threw furniture around the room and tore up the covers of their beds. I even sang for them. Then I realized that Jackson had brought someone special with him, a man who thought he could kill ghosts and witches. He had loaded a gun with silver bullets, which everyone believed would do the job. Well, when he shot toward the sound of my voice, I just grabbed him by the nose and threw him on the floor. I'll tell you, the general and all his friends left in a hurry the next morning. I was rather sorry to see them go. He left me with nobody but the Bell family and their regular visitors to entertain me. While listening to some of these visitors, I began to learn a lot more about John Bell. He was a wealthy man compared to most of his neighbors. He sometimes loaned money to others, but he charged a high rate of interest. In fact, he was excommunicated from his church on a charge of usury. However, many people believed he was actually excommunicated because of the evil spirit in his house. Me, of course. I also learned about a woman in the community named Kate Batts. It seemed that this Kate Batts was an ill-tempered woman, and some even thought she was a witch. Most people in the community despised her. The more I heard about her, the more I liked her. Kate Batts had once sold some property to John Bell, but now she claimed that he had cheated her. She had no choice but to sell, she said, but John Bell had paid her far less than the land was worth. The rich man, she said, had taken advantage of her poverty. That's why the next time I talked to a bunch of humans from the community, I said I was the witch of Kate Batts. It didn't matter that the woman was still living. Those people believe me all right, so that's what they called me from then on. Old Kate, or the witch. By this time, the whole haunting business had been going on for nearly four years. I was getting tired of it and would have been happy to get back to another million years or so of my usually peaceful existence. But after all this time spent with humans, I had taken a dislike to John Bell. Never mind whether you would consider it justified or not. 
I announced that I was going to torment the old man to his death. I left the others alone and began poking and prodding at Bill. He would twitch and roll his eyes and nearly choke on his own swollen tongue. Seizures, they called them then. This went along for a few months until Bell became gravely ill. Still, he did not die, so I had to take more effective action. I switched his medicine for a dark smoking liquid that was poisonous. He drank it on schedule, and that's what did him in. After that, I made a few threats to the rest of the family. Something about returning in a hundred years or so. Then I returned to my own place on the earth. Until today, I haven't spoken to another human being. Rita stared at the creature. That's a terrible story, she cried. How could you have treated those poor people so badly? You said you wanted to hear it. I know I did, but I didn't realize you had actually killed anyone. The spirit grinned, showing its sharp little animal teeth. Well now, I am what I am. How else could I behave? And as for death, that's a whole different subject. I don't think I could explain that to you. Rita realized that she felt very tired and was a little frightened again. I think I'll go home now, she said. Would you like me to come visit? No, Rita said hastily. Then she gasped. Was she in trouble? Had she offended this ancient and dangerous spirit? But with a deep and evil-sounding laugh, the creature just faded from her sight. Rita sat there for a moment or two. There was nothing at all unusual in the field now. The flowers nodded in the breeze. The sunlight actually seemed brighter, and even the air felt fresher. She got to her feet and took a deep breath of the fragrant summer air. She didn't think she'd come out here to read anymore. In fact, she'd be very glad to get back to Knoxville and to school. That was The Bell Witch from American Hauntings. This podcast was produced by Jack Chen. Thank you for listening.